Welcome to the Oaks and Oaths podcast, where modern man follows his ancestral path up out of ruin and ever higher toward the unconquered sun. My name is Ben. Think back to before you were a pagan or a heathen. What connotation did those words have in your, in your mind, in your consciousness? For a lot of people, when they think of heathen, they think of a barbarian, an uncivilized person who lives by no moral code other than his own self-interest. When you think of pagan, you might think of, you know, someone who dances naked around a fire. And yes, some pagans do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think people tend to see, when I say people, I mean those who are not on this path, they tend to see our faith as something primitive and something uncivilized, maybe even something amoral or, in the case of some, even immoral. Now, while that is true to an extent, we do believe in an ancient faith that is primitive in some ways and naturalistic in some ways and animistic in some ways. That doesn't mean that we are an immoral people or an unethical people. In fact, if you look back at the cultures of our ancestors, especially of the Vikings, you'll find a society far more moral um, and supportive of the folks within it than you would find in the medieval Christian societies that would eventually conquer our ancestors. And so today, I want to talk to you about a path of practical values. Unlike a Ten Commandments that you're supposed to follow as though it's divine law, these values build and add on to each other, one after another, to ensure that the pagan or heathen man, or even woman, who I know there are women that listen to this podcast as well, um, are and these values, I believe, actually, though geared toward men, are universally applicable to anybody. Um, they can help you live a life of growth, significance, and meaning in the one true life that we have on earth. And that's this life. Um, you know, I think sometimes there's a saying that goes around Christianity that, that I think is wise. It says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I feel like sometimes we can get into a place where we know the lore very well. We know, you know, the Havamal, we might even have it memorized. Um, we might have a lot of knowledge about things, but if we never apply that knowledge practically to our journey in life, what's the point of it? You know, I mean, it's like knowing everything about a car. Let's say that you have a 1968 GTO Judge, one of my favorite American vehicles. And you know all the stats, you know everything about the engine, you know everything about the chassis, you know everything about, you know, the RPMs um, and, you know, how, how many cubic inches the engine is and how fast it can do zero to 60 and a quarter mile. But you've never driven it. You've never actually walked inside that car and felt the power of that mode of transportation. I feel faith can be the same way. There's a lot of people that know a lot about it but don't really do much with it. And my goal is to not be those kind of pagans, those kind of heathens. My goal is to help us all live a life of meaning and transcendence on our time on earth. Because here's the facts. You listening to the sound of my voice, whether I know you or not, you're important. And not in some sort of like cheesy school way where we're all special snowflakes. No two one of us are the same. And we're all equal and important and, and valuable. I mean, sure, that's what they say. 
I'm saying you're important because of the potential within you. In our faith, it's all about, you know, deeds, not creeds. What we do with our life is what defines our worth and our meaning. And I sincerely hope that this path that I'm going to share with you today within this faith will be a way for you to build worth and satisfaction and joy within your life. We know that we live in times of anger and confusion and of darkness, and it's going to take men of strength, both externally and internally, to rise above that and lead our folk to a better outcome, to a better tomorrow. And the reason I have this podcast is because I see that potential in me, and I also see that potential in you. Everyone has an amazing responsibility and opportunity to grow this faith and to model this faith as a better outcome for the future of this planet, for the future of Midgard. And that's going to take these things I'm going to talk about next, um, at least in my perspective. So grab yourself a horn of mead or of ginger ale if you're underage, and um, let's dive into this. But before we do, a little bit of housekeeping. So the Oaks and O's podcast is recorded by me, and it's my thoughts, but it's really bigger than me. Every single one of you who follows me on Instagram, at Oaks and Oaths, or listens to the sound of my voice, are a part of this collective movement. And that movement is for positive pagan masculinity. That movement is being better husbands, being better fathers, being better brothers, being better sons, being better examples for the other men around us, and being strong protectors of those who we have charge over in our life. It's a sacred responsibility to be a man, and to, and even a, a more sacred responsibility to be a good man. And so I think this, what I'm about to highlight, talks both about being a good man and being good at being a man, something that Jack Donovan uh, writes extensively about in The Way of Men. And I believe both of those things are essential in order to make a difference in this world. So if you enjoy what I have to say on the Oaks and O's podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would give this podcast a five-star review wherever you listen to it at. Subscribe to this podcast. Uh, write a review um, if you if you like. Um, and also share it with someone who you know that might benefit from what we believe in and what we're working on together, especially with this podcast. I think if you have maybe a, a parents or people in your life who who think that pagans and heathens are immoral and bad or evil or, you know, devil worshipers or whatever they might think, maybe you might want to share this with them so they can understand what the true goal is of this faith. And that's really just living at peace with nature and each other in order to build a spiritually significant life. And so with that, let's dive in. So again, I'm presenting these values as a series of steps up a ladder in a way. It's a path. Um, They're not just a bunch of random arbitrary things, but they build on each other. And as they do, they kind of create a route to arrive at something bigger than the sum of their parts. So first up, we have the value of courage. Courage is incredibly important in anything in life. Whether you're asking that girl out on a first date that you've had a crush on for a while, whether you're going to go into your boss's office and demand a raise or negotiating something in business, or whether 
you are being threatened or bullied or attacked by someone and you have to defend yourself or the people in your circle, in your tribe. Courage is essentially the fire that fuels the engine of men. Courage is required to really do anything of value in life. For some of you, just breaking away from Christianity or some other religious structure and following the Norse gods um, or whatever pantheon you choose to subscribe to. These values, I think, are more specific to Germanic paganism and Norse paganism, but I think they're applicable to anyone on a pagan path. The very action of walking down the path to begin with requires courage. Courage is something that cannot be cheaply bought. It must be something that is built like a house or a bank account. Every time you do something courageous and you walk through that fear and that apprehension and you do it anyway, you make a deposit in that bank account. You lay a brick upon the foundation of that house till eventually you have a structure that you, can, that you know that you can rest inside of. Courage are walls that defend honor, that defend the soul and the integrity of a man. So the first step and the first value is the value of courage. And let's talk about practical application in our life. What's the thing that you're running from right now? We all have something that we're afraid to do, that we know we should do. And, but for some reason, we just don't do it. I'd like to encourage you right now, my friend, to find the courage within yourself to do what needs to be done right now. Even if it's something small, like, you know, calling about a... Um, a bill or something that, that you're overcharged on, or if you're ordering food and they send out the wrong order, confronting uh, your server about that in a, in a polite way, of course, but, um, or maybe it's, it's, you know, asking that girl out on the first date. Little acts of courage eventually become bigger acts of courage. And eventually courage becomes a mindset that you face your entire life um, with. And again, there's a saying from the office, which, um, some, sometimes it's funny where we find some of the, the wisest wisdom um, in unexpected places, like The Office, which is actually a pretty great show, as I'm sure a lot of you know. But there's a line in there where this guy named Vikram, who is a uh, – he's joined the Michael Scott Paper Company. Um, and he's talking about confidence, which is closely related to courage. And he says that confidence is the food of the wise man and the liquor of the fool. That's an important thing to remember as well. Wisdom and courage go hand in hand. There's a lot of people out there that have liquid courage and their courageousness can lead them down alleys that they may end up regretting later on, whether they're physical <laughs> or spiritual alleys or just relational alleys. So it's important to temper our courage, but it is important to have it. And so moving on after courage, the next rung on our ladder is honesty. An honest man is a man that never has to make excuses or justification for his existence. An honest man always says the same thing. And to be clear, it takes courage to be honest. Because we as people have this innate need to be loved, to be appreciated, and to be liked. And in order to do that, oftentimes we will compromise what we actually value and believe in order to be, you know, deemed as acceptable by 
those that we want to be accepted by. However, the irony is, is that it's the honest man who consistently and confidently and convictedly says the same thing that builds culture around him. People with compromising morals or who will say whatever other people want to hear are usually always viewed with suspicion and oftentimes derision. People don't want to be around these people because they can't trust them. But a man who is honest, even if his opinion is unpopular and consistent with himself, is somebody that people know that they can rely on. He is going to say what is true, regardless of what the pressure is or what the stakes are. That takes courage. But honesty is power because it's influence. An honest person can be taken seriously while a dishonest person is usually always regarded as a fool. And so that's really all I have to say about honesty. Um, it's pretty cut and dry. Don't lie. Even little things like white lies. Don't do it because your honor is always on the line. It's funny to me how honesty and honor actually have the same root, um, you know, a word, if you look back at Latin. And um, they're really kind of one and the same. Because an honorable man will never lie. He will, his honor is worth more than that. But honor is, is a higher virtue than honesty. And so we'll arrive at that in a few more rungs. Next up, the next rung that we have on our ladder is discipline. Now, courage and honesty lead to discipline. Because discipline is the repetition of a behavior or an action, um, regardless of, of how you feel internally or regardless of what's going on around you. I'll give you an example of that. I go to the gym with my guys that I work out with about five times a week. And sometimes I am sore. I'm 32 years old, and if you're my age or close to my age, then you might wake up sometimes with some pain in, in places you didn't even know that you had. <laughs> that seems to be the case for me. And I work out with guys that are 24 to 21 years old, a good decade younger than me. These guys are young, full of vigor, and, um, you know, they're just, they just go for it. And so I have to do my best to keep up with them. But it's important to me because, number one, I have the courage to want to become stronger and bring heavy weights that could potentially crush me down on my body. But number two, I've also given them my word that I'm going to be there. And so those two values feed into this discipline. Discipline is the only way to achieve true results and true success in this life. We live in a generation that talks a lot about quick fixes, easy steps to lose weight, grow rich without trying, you know, uh, try this game on this woman and bring her into bed. But even if those things are occasionally successful, the victory is always hollow because it's unearned. Discipline is the road that leads up to the top of the mountain. Discipline can't be faked. It's something that must be adhered to and must be enacted day after day. But a disciplined man usually always gets what he wants. And not only does he get it, but he's earned it. I think about discipline like a laser. Now, hear me out on this. So all that a laser is, is a beam of light that is concentrated more and more over time. 
And the more it's concentrated, the more powerful it gets to the point that it becomes a laser and can cut through the strongest substances that man can devise. So too can discipline do that for you. If you want to get strong and compete and win, you've got to be disciplined. If you want to grow a business and become successful with what you do, you've got to be disciplined. If you have things that you want to say and if you want to change the world with your ideas and your passion and your ideals, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to put in the hard work without thinking about the results. You do the work for the sake of the work because that also builds honor. So discipline, don't be afraid of the task ahead of you. Be courageous, be honest with yourself and others about what it is, and be disciplined to walk down that route. The next rung we have above discipline is self-governance. Now, we've gone through quite a crazy year. We don't need to get into that. But I think we've started to realize collectively that the powers that be are interested in themselves often more than us as individuals. And that's just the way governments really have always been. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, as the old adage goes. That's why it's imperative for us men to be self-governing. We can't look to the state or to a political leader or personality to give us what we need in life or our fulfillment or even guidance. We must look to ourselves, and that's what our ancestors have done. You know, they, they were governed themselves enough. And yes, they had like jarls and, and tribal leaders for sure. But when they would get together at the thing um, to discuss uh, legal issues or disputes, men were equals amongst equals there. And even our relationship with our gods, we don't bow our knees to our gods. We don't, we don't view them as transcendent and above us. We view them as, as you know, friends in a sense. If not even friends, then than, than examples that we can walk shoulder to shoulder with. Greater than us, more powerful than us, but not that distinct from us as, you know, the God of the Bible might be. So self-governance is so crucial because a man who is courageous, honest, and disciplined has the tools in his toolbox that he needs to govern himself. He can grow his own food if he needs to. He can... Um, he, he can make decisions about his own life. He can read the signs in the world around him to know what he needs to do next for his family or for his tribe. A self-governed man is truly a free man. People who uh, fly the flags or wave the banners of a political leader and talk about freedom really aren't truly free because their feeling of um, emotional success and okayness is correlated to the success of their candidate. But a man who, who follows after his own banners and flies his own flag, he is free because regardless of what happens in the world around him, his kingship is not undermined or taken away from him. Such a man will always be free and nothing around him can affect him, not even death, because he knows that he has governed himself by what he values in his life. So death itself is... Nothing to be afraid of. And if a man governs himself well, he ascends up the ladder to honor. Now, honor is defined so beautifully. And again, I'm going back to a lot of NBC uh, sitcoms right now, but uh, Parks and Recreation, one of my favorite characters and male archetypes of all time. And uh, that is Ron Swanson. Of course, 
Um, <laughs> there's an episode where he has the Ron Swanson's Pyramid of Greatness, and uh, it covers a lot of territory from, like, you know, animal proteins to, you know, large wooden ships and some of its tongue-in-cheek. But at the very top of, of, this, of this pyramid of greatness, the, the capstone, the highest attribute, it is honor. And of it, he says, honor. If you need it to find, you don't have it. And again, honor is something that is built and a courageous, honest, disciplined, self-governing man will build honor. Because honor is one of those things that it's like a universal, um, kind of like secret language between men. Men test each other all the time to see if they have it. Uh, men will go out of their way and, um, you know, put themselves in physical danger to uphold it. And once it's gone, that man's standing can be forever... Um, put into question and he could lose status. He could lose, um, he could lose alliances. He could lose resources. In my eyes, honor is the most valuable resource in the entire universe. And once you understand what it is, you know it. It's almost like being in love or, you know, um, being hungry or thirsty. You, you, you know that feeling intuitively inside of you when you feel those things. The same is with honor. When you know that you have a brother who, who respects you and will go out of his way to do something for you if, you, if he asks you, if you ask him, that's the feeling of, of honor. Um, if, if somebody is it's threatening you um, because you know, they don't like what you have to say and you defend what you have to say, whether with your words or with your fists because you believe in it, that's honor. If somebody threatens your family and you stand up to that person and neutralize that threat, that is also honor. Honor is the glue that holds groups of men together. If you look at the military or if you look at any group of men, um, it's usually a closed honor system that holds those folks together. And oftentimes, um, the men will fight for each other more than the cause that they're enlisted to fight for because they view each other as honorable and they see that in itself as a means to defend and protect. So again, honor can't necessarily be given a definitionary, dictionary definition, but you know it when you feel it. Damn it, does it ever feel good. So honor leads up the rung to frith. Now, frith is a word from our tradition that means essentially peace and brotherhood with other people around us, different tribes, different families. The Havamal talks a lot about this, saying if you have a good friend, go and see him often. Frith is where we get the idea of gift giving, a gift for a gift that, that builds frith between groups of people. And when frith is established, honor is also established. Honor allows frith to, to help groups of people work together and navigate difficult situations, whether those are environmental situations or um, threats from an, other groups of dishonorable men that are attacking them, or even if it's just the personal success of one person um, who is, who's helped out by his friends. If you look at different groups like the Chamber of Commerce or um, you know the Rotary, these different networking organizations, that's a form of frith. They can honor one another because they know they're honest business people. Who, have, who are disciplined, who govern themselves, and who have courage to start that business. And as a result, they're able to make recommendations um, for those other people because of that frith that has been built. 
I think what's sad about our age is that we are so ideologically blinded by um, whether it's the media giving us perspectives on how to think. And that means the left wing and the right wing media. Um, I, I try not to be political, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But there's these things that, that divide us, these, these, these meta narratives that, that you know, engage the entire country end up dividing people in a small community. I think it should be the other way around. I think if you really want to enact political change, then it's small groups and communities binding together to advocate for the good of that community instead of picking some side on a national struggle that really has very little implication for your individual personal life. Imagine if we as heathens or just people in small communities just got together and advocated for what mattered to us. We gained influence. And then from that group, small group, we were able to gain political power, for example, if that's what you're interested in. And then from that political power on, on the municipal level, you get political power at the state level, then in the federal level, then things actually change. But if we're always fighting against each other and not working on frith between one another on the individual group level um, within our small communities, then we'll never be unified to actually change the power structures that are maintained by those who don't want to see them changed. So... That's about as political as I'll ever get on Oaks and Odes. And I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying that true power starts with us. Self-governance, frith, and then going forth with courage and honor and discipline and honesty and shaking up the system um, as it needs to be shaken up. So after frith, we come to one of the most important ones, and that's family. Now, I believe that Heathens and pagans have a sacred responsibility, just as we had ancestors that we look up to and worship. We should become parents and and husbands and wives for the ladies listening that are worthy to be worshipped by our descendants, to be honored by our descendants. We live in an era where the family unit is not what it used to be. Um, there's a lot of infidelity, unfortunately, between people who are married. Divorce happens quite often. Selfishness has crept into the home, and it's more about what I, what, what people want individually um, at times rather than what this unit can do to advance our cause in society. When you think about it, the family is actually the smallest unit of government that exists. And the Christians would say that men should be the head of the family and that women should be beneath them and the children should be beneath the women. They have this strange hierarchical system I like to look at family, especially a married family with children, as a pack of wolves. I think that's something that's very appropriate with given our heathen path, pagan path. But when you think about a pack of wolves, you have an alpha male wolf that, in the pack and you have an alpha female wolf in the pack. Both of them have equal power and they're teammates. Um, granted, the alpha male is probably stronger than the alpha female um, in terms of just strength and domination. And so... He probably is the decision maker at the end of the day on certain things, but the majority of things, they work together as a team and make sure that the rest of the pack is taken care of. I feel like that's a great model for how families should work as well. So often I think that we view our family as a way to make us happy instead of a way to make us honorable. And look, I've been married for six years. Shit happens in relationships. Sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes infidelity does unfortunately happen. Sometimes people change. Sometimes you just don't wake up liking the person that you're sleeping next to. 
But it doesn't matter because honor and frith and all these other things we've talked about have positioned you to be the kind of person that continues to move forward even when you don't feel like moving forward. Feelings are tricky things, but honor is not. It's something that pushes you through the hardest things that we have to work through relationally. And of course, with family, that also applies to extended family. Um, you might not like your in-laws, but you better damn well respect them because they are in your family. Their weird is mixed in with your weird, and their actions affect you and your children just as your actions affect them. And so building Firth with one's family is crucial. And having strong families um, is, and, and raising strong children is how we really model to the world how powerful um, and, and how moral this faith can actually be. Because if we can't govern our families, we have no right governing anything else. So after family, we go up the rung on our ladder to kindness. This is something I think that gets overlooked a lot within, you know, heathenry at times. There's this whole warrior archetype and, you know, it's like death or Valhalla or I'm going to kill my enemies or drink mead from their skulls or whatever the hell people say. It's pretty cringe, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, very some of us, if we're in the military, yes, that is appropriate because that is what you enlisted to do. But for a dude that's like working on a truck somewhere in Idaho, you're probably not going to do any of that shit. Um, and so... It's important that no matter what our station in life is, that we temper it with kindness. You look at this examples of this in Havamal, being a good guest, being a good host, being kind to those people in your life that you've built Firth with. Now, what this does not mean is to, to just generally be kind to everyone um, as a rule. I mean, you should be respectful to everyone, but also be cautious because you never know who is coming in, you know, as Havamal also talks about, who's coming into your hall. But for the people that you do know and who you built Frith with, kindness is so important. Because as one gets older and loses his strength and loses his vigor, if he's mean and has been mean the whole time to the people that he knows and loves, then why would anybody honor and respect him when he loses that strength and that, that force and that ability to frighten people and get them to do what he wants? Kindness, kindness is, is the substance that sands off the rough edges um, on on the the sculptor of a man, you know it it makes it makes a man even more polished and attractive to those in his circle. If you can't be kind, eventually you're going to be beaten, because kindness is also tied to honor, and it's it's a glue that holds groups together, and it gives people a reason to believe in you as a leader. So, moving up the ladder from kindness, we have remembrance. Let's face it, we live on a small rock in the middle of a vast and unknowable, ever-expanding cosmos. It can be confusing and even frightening to wonder why we're here, what's our purpose, what's the meaning of this? I think a lot of those questions are answered by remembering where we've come from. My brothers, we descend from the gods. Whether that's literal or metaphorical, the gods themselves, you know, were, were, were taken from the giant Ymir, and like all, all things are made from his body. So, so even if you look at it in a metaphorical sense or literal sense, we, we all descend from the gods. And 
we descend from a long line of ancestors and folks who have been walking this path before us. And remembering where we stand in that cosmic lineage gives us a sense of place. It gives us a sense of home. Um, and as you can tell, we're, as we move up this ladder, we're, we're going away from the more personal uh, attributes um, to the more relational, societal attributes. And these last couple of values are more spiritual values that, that help us grow um, and, 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 you know, in that capacity. So remembering the stories, not only of our gods and our heroes, but also of our ancestors and, you know, our grandparents and our, our fathers and mothers, that's how we honor those people. And that's how we honor our place in the grand stage of, of history. The great wheel that keeps on turning. Remembrance is, is how we find our, our place in a chaotic and infinite cosmos. It's how we provide order for and meaning for our lives. And so those who remember always have something to give to those who come after them. So don't be ashamed of your past. I, I had a friend that said to me one time that if you regret your past, you regret yourself. We remember our mistakes so that we, we don't have to make them again in the future. There's an old saying that says that he who forgets history is, is doomed to repeat it. We remember so that we can grow, so that we can build upon our failures and our successes and build a better world for those that come after us. So, ascending past remembrance, we reach the rung of understanding. Understanding is more than just knowledge. It's, it's facts, it's, it's stories, but it's also understanding what those things mean and how we apply them to our lives. So I think the greatest example of this, of course, is the All-Father Odin, as he hangs himself on Yggdrasil for nine days, sacrificing himself to himself, losing a physical eye in exchange for a metaphysical eye so that he can take up and understand the runes. And the runes themselves are fascinating. If, if you want to know more about them, I encourage you to check out my Instagram page. I actually just got done going through the entire Elder Futhark alphabet, talking about some of the more um, philosophical and cosmological meanings behind each rune, as well as their literal meaning. And I think the understanding, again, going back to our metaphor of the car, is so crucial. Because you can know a lot about a car, but until you get in, in the car and turn it on, you never actually go anywhere. And the point of this faith, as you'll see that we're working toward, is going somewhere. We're not just living this faith for this life. We're living this faith as a prelude to another life, another experience to come. A grander tale, a great epic, a mighty saga. And that we arrive there by understanding. Understanding our differences from the people around us. Understanding uh, differences between cultures, differences between points of view, understanding differences between religions, and finally understanding that everything that is distinct and different is at its root more whole and similar than we realize and understand. And I can't really comment more on that. That's just something you got to kind of work out for yourself. After understanding, we rise to wisdom. Wisdom is the, is the grand substance that the All-Father himself is truly after. After his understanding on Yggdrasil, after he was able to take up the runes and look into the well, he spends his time now wandering the nine realms, acquiring wisdom. 
wisdom builds off of understanding because it takes the lessons of understanding. It takes what we've been shown through understanding and it allows us to adjudicate and look at the world around us and make decisions and give advice and conduct our way in, in conduct our lives in a way that is um, synonymous with what we know. Um, wisdom is truly the clothes that understanding wears. It's what we show off to the world and what the world interacts with, right? So wisdom is something that um, it, it's almost cyclical in a way because you you come to some understanding of something and then as you work through that understanding and life cycles by, whether it's year after year or experience after experience, that understanding takes on layers, right? It takes on different dimensions. And then those dimensions eventually evolve to become wisdom. And wisdom is the best friend that a man can have. Because if a man is wise, then he's learned so many of the lessons in this life. And he will conduct himself in a way that other people will, will seek after and want to be a part of. So if you seek to have any influence in this world, seek to be wise first, you know. Um, and that finally brings us to our final stop, really uh, the last rung of the ladder and um, what it's all about, at least to me, ascension. Ascension is the grand solar concept of going from being just a mortal animal who has to, you know, survive and, um, you know, and, and, and have sex and have shiny things and eventually can philosophize and think and build culture and art and then even religion. Ascension is, if you're familiar with psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's similar to the concept of self-actualization. It's realizing the deepest of all understandings that I alluded to earlier and rising above one's need to be an individual, and realizing that the self, the true self, is the individual. It's, it's part and parcel of, of everything. It's realizing that you are the giant Ymir just as much as everything in existence on Midgard, and our solar system, and possibly our universe, is also the giant Ymir. It's seeing yourself not only as a, uh, a physical manifestation in space and time, but seeing yourself as a cosmological eternity that is one with the gods, one with your ancestors, and one with all that was and all that will be. And there's power in that because it means that each of us as we go up this ladder, we become an example for others to come up the ladder as well. I, I use the term uh, sol like solarism a lot or, or stay solar like I know other people talk about that too because I believe essentially that the, the goal of man and the goal of this, of this period of life that we have is to learn these lessons through life so that when we die, we can return in some way to guide other folks, um, to be with our ancestors and to continue this process. And I, you know, I think there are some people that are utopian and they believe that eventually society will evolve to some grand thing. And I, and I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that people are people and some people climb this ladder and get this revelation and some people just stay a couple rungs down or don't even climb it at all. And it's our mission to bring this truth to other folks so that they can see what they're capable of as people. They can 
eventually comprehend all the nine realms of Yggdrasil and have understanding of all of the creatures that inhabit those realms. And, and also, you know, um, come to know the gods, what the gods are, and who the gods are in a deeper, more profound way. So yeah, man, um, <laughs> I, know, I know that's a lot of stuff. Uh, that ladder just got pretty deep. Maybe it was a ladder that was descending into uh, the, the middle of the earth instead of uh, heading up toward the sky. But um, if you're still with me after all of that, and if you haven't had to pause to smoke a couple joints, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it definitely kind of sounds like stoner talk at the end. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm 100% sober right now. I these are just things that I've come to understand myself, and I want to share them with you. Um, take them or leave them, you know? I mean, maybe some of these things apply to you personally. Maybe none of them do. Maybe all of them do, you know? I'm, I'm just here to talk about them, and uh, what you do with them is, is entirely up to you. But I am grateful for your time, and I'm grateful to be able to have this conversation with you. And to summarize, the virtues in ascending order are... Courage, honesty, discipline, self-governance, honor, frith, family, kindness, remembrance, understanding, wisdom, and ascension. So, man, that's a, that's a lot of talking. So I think I'm going to cool my mouth down and uh, end this thing right now. But um, once again, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, maybe share it with someone that you might find that think might find it interesting. And um, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Oaks and Oaths, uh, A and D, uh, and I, I, you know, will respond to you. I'll talk to you. I also got to say, I'm, I'm really honored by the response that this podcast has had so far. A lot of people have messaged me, letting me know how much they like it and appreciate it, and I really appreciate that kind of feedback because sometimes I feel like I'm just sitting inside of a uh, sound soundproof room talking into a microphone, um, just rambling on. But uh, I know that this is important uh, for me to do, and I am honored that you find value in it as well, and I will continue to do it. We have an awesome interview in-studio interview lined up for next week. Andy Lewis from um, Norse Fitness and the Norse Compound is coming down to Athens, Georgia, and we're going to have an amazing conversation about some great stuff and spiritual concepts, fitness concepts, whatever. It's going to be awesome. History you know, uh, this wonderful pagan path. So you, you'll want to tune in into that next week. And um, until we talk again next time, thanks for tuning into the podcast. And remember to rise above the darkness and the chaos around you and be a shining example like the sun for those who need it most. I'll talk to you next time.